All right. Are you ready to get into the word? Father, in Jesus' name, just descend upon us, Lord God. I just ask you right now that your word just begins to even now rise off the pages of your holy word, your holy Bible, Lord God, and just find its way into our hearts and our minds in Jesus' name. Lord God, I thank you for that, Lord God, and just be lifted up. And all of God's incredible saints said, Amen. Amen. Did you know that you're a saint? A saint in the making. How's that sound? I uh, keep telling my husband I'm a saint. I'm one of them, you know. All right. Well, we're going to get back on to our series on growing up. Everybody look to your neighbor and say, grow up. Grow up. Now look to your other neighbor and say, I am, I am, I am. I'm trying. I'm really working at it. Hallelujah. Growing up, it's, it's quite a process, wouldn't you say? And uh, it's something that, uh, you know, once again, everyone has to do it. No one is exempt. We were all born babies. I was. I'm sure you were, right? We all have to make it through and grow up. Amen? And uh, good things, good things, good things happen as people grow up. Uh, we talked last week, and I really encourage you to grab CDs from last week and the week before and the week before that. I'm kind of, we've kind of been doing a progression here. Pastor Dwayne had surgery on his vocal cords, and so he's taking a little rest, giving his, his voice rest so he can get back at it. We're going to Uganda. We're leaving in uh, just a couple of weeks, and he's got to go and preach Recover Life for probably 12 hours a day. <laughs> for the almost the entire time we're there he's going to go from church to church to church so we're really praying for his vocal cords and we're giving him a rest right now so between him and Chris and I we're doing this series on growing up and and the early church and so that's kind of what's going on there and um but uh last week we uh, had a great time so if you missed that one grab the cd but this week we're going to keep plowing everybody say keep plowing My problem is, I liked last week so much, I just want to go back to it and do it again, but I have to keep moving ahead, right? Dwayne said, don't you dare review too much, or you're going to, okay, okay, we got to move on. So um, anyway, let's uh, get started, though. Flip over in your Bible to Ephesians 4, and uh, we're going to pick it up at verse 11, and then we're just going to take off and go places. Are you ready? Okay, buckle your seatbelt, and uh, let's see what the Lord has for us today. Are you open and excited for what he can do in your hearts and lives today? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so Ephesians 4, we're going to start at verse 11. And it says, It was he, God, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be teachers. Uh, And Oh, I missed evangelists in there. I skipped a few, didn't I? Let's start all over again. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be teachers. Did I miss it again? I did. Some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and some to be teachers. Did I get them all in? I think I did. They're up there. Just look up there. Okay. Verse 12. To prepare God's people for works of service. Hold on. Let's just say that again. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. Until we all reach the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind and teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, 
Speaking the truth in love, those are two things we can never let go of, truth and love. Speaking the truth in love. If I ever, if I ever hedge on the truth, we got problems. We can't have covenant relationship if I ever hedge on the truth. Speaking the truth. But if I ever do it out of uh, not in love, we got problems too. Speaking truth, the truth in love. We will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That, my people, my dear friends, is genius. That is amazing. That passage is incredible. I love that passage. The sentence I want to kind of hone in on here is, um, um, instead of speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. A couple years ago, well, actually all through the kids' growing up times, at Christmas time, I would quite often give them a pair of pajamas. Anybody ever get Christmas pajamas? Well, being the incredible mother that I am, frugal and amazing, always thinking ahead. I would buy the pajamas just a hair bigger than they are, considering that these pajamas have to last them a year. And, you know, I just... I just always would go, and whatever size that the kids were wearing, I would bump it up a size or two or sometimes three. Well, one year, well, it's got to last. So one year, my dear Austin, cute as a bug Austin, he loves the color green, and he loved lizards. I found him a pair of onesie pajamas. And I loved them so much, I wanted to get them very big so they would last him. I am a good mother. All mothers do this. How many of you had to wear things that you did not fit? You know, that that were too big for you because your loving mother loved you so much? Dylan? Okay, so I bought this pair of pajamas. I wrapped them. I thought they were going to be his most favorite present, and they were. And he ran into the other room, and he put them on. He was there for a long time. He came running out, and those onesie pajamas were at least a foot and a half too long for him on every one of his appendages, (laughs) hanging off of him. He was running like this. The feet, you know, his feet were about, the feet literally were this long. They were the biggest pair of pajamas on that little boy. And it was the funniest sight. Because when I looked at him, his head was very normal. Somewhat. His head was normal, but his body had issues. And he had an entire year Actually, I didn't have to buy him pajamas the next year because they still didn't fit him quite yet. I got through two years, two Christmases with those pajamas. And I'm not sure if they ever truly, you know, I think after a while he was just like, I'm sick of these things. Anyway, so what we had, try to envision with me this head, this wonderful head, absolutely perfect. But the body was lacking, absolutely lacking. It was like, you know, and things were flapping all over. And when I read that passage, I think of that. For Christ is the head of the church, and we are the body, and we are to grow up into the fullness and the stature of the body of Christ. We are to become a match for our head. 
the body of Christ sitting here, you, me, all of us joined together, we are supposed to come together and form a body that is, that is honoring and equivalent and, what's the word I'm trying to think of, um, equal to our head. And you are a part of that. And to whatever extent you are, and I'm, th- I'm, just, I'm looking at you, and, and the last thing I want you to do is to sit here as an observer. To sit back on the back row and say, I am going to, you're just, you're the body, I'm an observer. No, absolutely not. Every single one of you are a little piece of the body of Christ. And when we come together, we form his body. We are the thing that brings his kingdom into this earth. And there was, you know what, now that I think about it, Jasmine, you can, you can, you can agree with me or, or Dwayne, but and Austin's not here to confirm, but there was a day when he grew into those pajamas. I do remember because actually I remember his toes coming to the end of it. It was very cute. I do remember that. His head and his body came into alignment. They fit each other. And that's what God wants for us today. The body of Christ on the earth today is not the same body of Christ that was on the earth a hundred years ago. They came, they were born, they grew up, they formed the body of Christ, and they performed that God's will on the earth for, at their moment, in their generation, at their time. But you know what? They have passed away. And as they passed away, a whole new generation was rising up. And their job was to grow into the image of Christ, to take on the form of the body so that the body would meet the head and the, at that moment and in that generation they would fulfill the will of God and here we sit now us the body of Christ today 2015 you are it they are gone the next generation is trying just emerging but you have emerged you are the body of Christ I would say to you as Paul said throw off every hindrance, every chain, and run your race and become the body of Christ like never before. Growing up, God loves the process. We talked about it last week. I don't know why. Why are people born babies spiritually, physically, emotionally? Why do we have to go through the process? Why? It's part of God's life and love in us. So that as we grow, we become strong. There's three laws. Actually, last week I told you there's only two. I added one this week. I can do that. There's two laws to maturation or to growing. Number one, as we spoke last week, you're never supposed to stop. Never, ever, 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 stop. About the time I think I've got it together, something happens. Emotionally, I am just one, I have got it together. And then someone says something to me or something happens, and I'm in the corner going, having a fit. Anybody, you know, join me in the fit in the fit corner? Take a deep breath. Okay, got that over with. I'm back to being mature. 
spiritually, once again. Oh, am I ever cool. I get up here and I preach to you. Don't you wish you could be as spiritually mature as me? And the very next day, something happens and shakes my faith to the very core. And I fall on my little face going, God, where are you? Anybody with me? We never, ever, ever, ever can stop. If you fall on your face and stay there, that's where we have problems. But the point is, your toddler, your two-year-old, when he's learning to run, how many times does he fall? About every three steps. What if, what if one time we fall when we're two and go, you know what, I can't do this thing. I'm done. I would still be laying on the floor somewhere in Guatemala. Or my mother would have had to drag me and throw me in a wheelchair and push me everywhere. But no, I had to get up. Every single stinking time I fell, I had to get back up. In Jesus' name, we as the body of Christ, every time we fall, it is not our job to lay there and say, this is impossible. It is not our job to lay there and say, I can't do this. It is our job to pull ourselves back up with the power of his Holy Spirit infusing us and continue to grow. Never, ever, ever stop. Number two, and I'm taking way too long to do this. I've got to get moving. But it's so good. Number two, he always sets the immature with the mature. Always. When a baby is born, he puts them with parents. Parents get kids, get babies. He doesn't have a farm for all the babies. And as soon as they hit a certain spot, they finally emerge. What a disaster would that be? He takes a baby and he puts him with the mature. That is God's law for growth. We must find ourselves in relationship with people who have got it a little, they're a little farther down the path than we are. Just a little. So they can help to guide us, to show us. But at that same time, no matter where you're at on the mature scale, there's always someone behind you. We have to always be finding ourselves in a relationship with the mature and turning around and grabbing somebody who is not as mature as us and then taking us along. We always have to find ourselves in that situation, mature and immature. Paul, when Paul, um, the apostle Paul, he was Saul and he was, he was so big in the Jewish community and he was the head of everything. And uh, God zaps him, knocks him on the ground, and says, nope, now you're going to be, you know, a, a disciple of mine. Now he's a baby Christian. He went from being the coolest, you know, most educated Jewish guy. Now he's a baby Christian. And he creates havoc in the church. He goes everywhere and starts, and, and it was, you know, in his recent past when he would go to church, he would kill them all or flog them all. And so when he'd show up at church, everyone would be like, ah, and then run, you know, he was creating havoc. And when he'd come, he would preach like crazy, heavy stuff. And so finally people were like, you know, the, the apostles came to Paul and said, you know, Paul, I, I really appreciate this, but you need to go away for a little while and grow up into the love of Christ. 
And so Paul did that. He humbled it. He left, and he spent quite a few years away in a small little town growing up in Christ. And when he came back, he was mature. Amazing. God puts the, the mature and the immature together. I'd like to ask you, have you in your life someone who you are learning from, someone who you are connected with, someone you're, you're, you're accountable with that's ahead of you that can, can speak into your life? And also, are you bringing someone along? Amen? Mature with the immature. Third one, and this is the new one. Ready for this? How do I know I'm mature? Well, ultimate maturation, ultimate growth is when we change our focus from ourself to others. Let's just let that soak in. When your focus changes from you to someone else. Now, just think about it. When a baby is born, what's the first thing you hear from them? What is it? They're cold. They're scared. Every time a baby has a need, it's always about them. You, know, you never hear them weeping for the lost. You never hear them concerned that the little baby in the bassinet next door doesn't have enough to eat or has enough blankies. No, it's all about them. I don't have enough to eat. Ah, me, 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 me. They're always fussing about everything about themselves, right? And then after a while, they start being able to put language to their, their fussing, and you start hearing things like, Susie has more than me. I want more. It's mine. Or how about the line, that's not fair. Fair is always about me. That you have more than me. That things aren't right. That, that's not fair. So one day, we're driving in the van. And all of my children are in the van. And they are fighting about everything. Just about everything. He's got more room than me. He's got blah, blah, blah. She's got blah, 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 blah. They are fighting. Finally, I get their attention. I say, okay, listen, people. Short people in the back. Someone has got to grow up today. Someone has got to be the big person. And by big person, I mean you have to put the other person before you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be quiet now. There is a prize for the first big person I hear. It got silent in the car. Three miles later, I hear someone in the back go, you can have it. You can have it. I win, Mommy, I win, I win. <laughs> but basically, that was a moment of maturation. Because for the first time in their entire existence, they quit screaming and fussing about themselves and started thinking about somebody else. It was hard. It was painful. Oh, it was so hard to get those words out of their mouth. But they did it. And there was a turning point. I told you last week that Jesus' teachings leveled everyone. Numerous times in the, in the New Testament, Jesus would teach, and at the very end, you, know, you could just kind of see the crowd going. And the word there is, the crowds were astonished or amazed. The purpose then, or the whole, the whole uh, thought behind that is actually a hammer. 
When Jesus taught, he came into people's hearts with the hammer of truth and absolutely leveled and flattened every thought process they had. And he totally rearranged it into something new. Turn over to John 15. And in keeping with Jesus' incredible teachings, I want you to see what he says about maturation and about taking the focus off of yourself now and, and laying it onto someone else. John 15, we're going to start with verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be, com- be in you and that my joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. For greater love has no one than this, that he lay his life down for his friends. That's what Jesus is looking for in his body. That's maturation. When we, as the body of Christ, quit whining and fussing about what we have or what we don't have or that they have more than us or that this is that and what about me and I hurt and I'm this and I need this and they hurt me and I'm a man about me, me, me. When the body of Christ can stop all of that and be the big people in the van and look at each other and say, I want you to have more than me. I have this Let me give you this. You need it more than I do. When we make that maturation, Jesus totally smashed every human being's mindset because you know what? We don't live for others. We naturally live for ourselves. Maturation. It never stops. He puts the immature with the mature. And the way you know you have come into maturation is when you're not thinking about yourself so much anymore and it's about somebody else. Now the church, this place, these people is what God has given you to help you to grow. Our Ephesians four passage starts out. God gave, he gave Every single one of you, pastors, teachers, let's see if I can get them all, evangelists, prophets, whatever the other one is, apostles. He gave you those so that you'll grow up. You come to church because that's where those people are at for the most part. We are here. We, we function here at this church. So you come to church so that you can interact with these kinds of people. Now, you can get it through um, podcasts, and you can get it here in books. Da, da, da. Absolutely get it anywhere you possibly can. But God has set up the church, this little place right here, this place, this, this microcosm of the body of Christ, for you to come, and you can hear us and be with us and be led by us so that you can grow up. That's why there's a church. That's why it's there. It is God-set, God-ordained, and God-intended. And if anyone tells you differently, don't listen to them. Because God's trying to raise you up, grow you up, so you don't listen to all the crazy winds and doctrines. The church is a biblical institution so that you can come here and be raised up and then go back out 
That's why we're here. So, the church. The church, growing up. He, he put this thing together. So in our little series, we're looking at Acts chapter 2 as our kind of our kickoff. Hey, there's my water. I left this at some people's house. It reappeared with water in it. Look at that. Works pretty good. Hallelujah. How'd that get there? Who put that there? You did? Oh, what a good man. Okay. So Acts chapter 2. I can, I can get sidetracked way too easy. <laughs> it's the easy things, the simple things. Okay, let's, let's dig into Acts chapter 2. I've got a few minutes here, and we're just going to have a good time. Everybody say good time. Have you already had a good time? Are you already stretched and, and matured just a little bit? Yeah, stretch. Okay. Okay, growing that body up to be matching with the head. So Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 kind of reminds me of Genesis chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, Genesis is when, you know, God creates the earth and it's perfect. Absolutely perfect. Don't you wish you could live in Genesis 1 and 2, where it's perfect and there's no sin. There's no brokenness and there's no curse. Wouldn't you all love to live then? Would any of you eat the apple and ruin it all? Of course not. I probably would, knowing me, because I am not perfect. So Acts chapter 2 reminds me a lot of Genesis 2. Acts chapter 2 is the birth of the church. And it functions in a realm of perfection like I cannot believe. And when I read this this portion of this chapter, I find my... There's a couple things, a couple times I wish I had lived in and not now. Number one is Genesis 1 and 2. Number two, I want to be a pilgrim and come to America back in, uh, whenever it was, 1400s, and live in America before it got messed up. Anybody want to join me? I know I'm like taking you somewhere really crazy. But I love it when you find the most purest situation where God's will is being, being carried out absolutely perfectly. Amen? So Acts chapter 2 is that time. Jesus is come, lived, did his miracles, died, rose again, went up into heaven, and he sends his Holy Spirit, and his 12 apostles and 120 good buddies were all up in the upper room, and God just drops it on them. They start speaking in tongues. Peter goes out. He preaches his first sermon. 3,000 people come to God. How would you like that for a church service? 3,000. Bam, the church is born. Within 100 years, that 12, group of 12, that group of 120, and that, that initial group of 3,000, by 100 AD, so it's less than 100, it's about 70, uh, 65 to 70 years, the Christian church grows to over a million Christians in the Roman Empire. It rapidly expands. And during that time, those original people are being persecuted and they're laying their lives down and they are dying. They're getting burned at the stake. They're getting flogged. All of the 12, the first 12, are uh, persecuted to the point of martyrdom except for John. John was boiled in oil and miraculously survived. The growth is incredible. 
So let's read this Acts chapter 2. Let's read it and, and let's just dream of what life could be if, if church was like this. We're going to start at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and their goods. They gave to anyone who had, who, uh, as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What an incredible situation. What an incredible moment. You can just see the head, Christ, and all of a sudden, bam, there's a body. And all of a sudden, that body just is growing like crazy and becoming fit to to be able to match that head. And that passage there, those verses, were how they did it. That's how they did it. But I have a problem with that passage as well. Not only do I get excited, not only do I wish I had lived then, I, I have to reconcile the idea that I don't. And I have to reconcile the idea that I have not found one church anywhere that's truly living up to that ideal. I read that passage and I I sit through sermons on that passage and I'll be honest with you, very honest with you. Sometimes I leave that sermon feeling like I'm failing. Feeling like somehow I need to leave my church and go find a better one. Somehow I need to go and do something different because I'm not living up to that ideal. Does anybody feel my pain? So what do we do with passages like this? What are we supposed to do, God? If you want me to preach this passage, I have to sell my house this week. I can't do that. Can I? Is that really what you're asking me to do today? How am I supposed to reconcile my life, my church, society, and the place that I live with that passage? Because that passage is very difficult. And I don't want to preach a sermon to you about what the church is supposed to be and then tell you, sorry, we're we're not going to be that, but you should be, and leave you with a bunch of condemnation. That wouldn't be fun. And I don't believe that that's what God intends. So come with me now for a little while, and I'm hoping to open up some understanding, and I'm hoping that when we leave today, we are absolutely inspired and not condemned. Amen? So, go with me, if you will. And if you have never experienced this, just pretend you have. Pretend you're walking along, and you see someone of the opposite sex, and that's your, to be your mate, and you fall madly in love. Anybody ever have that happen? Like madly in love. If you haven't ever had that, just imagine with me. What would it be like if you fell madly in love with somebody? What happens in your world? 
you lose all sense of propriety. You sit, you forget what the clock is, and you will sit for hours gazing into their eyes. And if you're not gazing into their eyes, you're, pretend, you're, you're thinking about it. You're hoping and then you're wishing that you would. And then you get on the phone. How many of you, well, see, back in the day, we used to call each other. What do you young kids do now? Do you just sit and text the whole time? My thumb would be ruined by the end of that conversation. No, we would call and we would talk for hours on the phone. How many of you would do that? Absolutely, because you're madly in love, right? And what else would you do? You do crazy things. Never fit. I would crack up. Jasmine Wolf, and I hate to embarrass her, but she was quite the little cutie when she was in high school. She still is, but when she was in high school, she had more, you know, little love flames. And uh, <laughs> she's dying over there. This is good. This is really, really good. But it never ceased to amaze me. I would say, Jasmine, what are you doing today? Well, you know, we're going to do this, and I'm, you know, I'm going to be with so-and-so, and, and uh, he's going to come over, and we're going to make cookies. Make cookies. <laughs> a man, a boy, is going to come to your house. Just, just let me get this straight. A boy is going to come to your house and sit and make cookies with you. And they did. They would show up. And they would sit there. And, you know, I don't know if Jasmine ever put an apron on them, but they would put it on. Because they're crazy madly in love with her. They would do anything she said. And I would sit there and I would watch them going, what are you doing? Are you in your right mind? Absolutely not. You, if, when you are madly in love with somebody, when you are that place, you will do crazy things that you never would think you would do. Don't look at me like that. You know you did it. Raise your hand if you've ever done crazy things in the name of love. Still doing it. Oh, boy. Okay, so these crazy antics, you, know, you meet them, you're dating, you, you fall in love, you, you, there might be an engagement, and then there's the wedding. Oh, and then after the wedding, there's the honeymoon. Everybody say honeymoon. And love is in bloom. And you're doing things you would never think to do. But the problem is that after every single honeymoon, there is a Monday morning. <laughs> At some point, as you're floating around and madly in love, you have to land. Anybody had to land? And when you land, now there's lawns to mow and dishes to do and houses to clean up and eventually diapers to change because now you re-entered back into real life. But you came from this amazing madly in love state, right? And so a lot of times you land and, and you're like, <sighs> but life's demands because God now wants you to start producing as a married couple, but, but oh, Oh, and then after a while, you start feeling like you've lost, you've fallen out of love because the demands of life as you are now producing and you're, you're mothering and you're fathering, that, that ideal. So every married couple needs to, this is why they all need to every month or every couple of months, stop, get away, and fall back madly in love. Start doing those crazy things. Now mature love, mature relationship, mature marriage is when you can, you start coming back and you remember, 
and you grab one of those things, and Monday morning hits, and you're not going to let go of this. You're not going to let go of this. You're going to do things, and yet you're going to still love like crazy. And you're going to be out there producing, but now you're producing, and your love is starting to come together. And you become the most amazing couple that everyone around you looks at and is jealous of. Because not only can you walk and work and go and do, you are grabbing onto that ultimate pattern of love relationship and importing it into everyday life. Did you hear me? God gives us romance and the amazing beginning so that you can learn the ultimate pattern of love relationships. And then when God calls you to step into real life, you remember that and you bring it in. And you remember that and you bring it in. And when you're doing life, you're not looking at your spouse squabbling with them and yelling at them and blah, 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 blah. No, because you remember the ultimate pattern. So you pull that ultimate pattern into everyday life. Now this passage, Acts 42... 242 and 47 and all that was God's, the churches, God and the churches, ultimate fall in love honeymoon state. This was their ultimate. The pattern of ultimate relationship between God and the church and the church with one another and the body of Christ was established in those verses. But there came a time when that church had to enter life because God does not want his church. Let me just tell you right now, God does not want his church sequestered away, looking at each other and loving when he has an entire world out there dying. He wants us to engage with society. He wants us to engage and become influential. He wants, how can we, how can we do that though? And yet read that passage and say he wants us to be together every day and he wants to, no, what he wants us to do now. People of God, get this. We gotta know that ultimate relationship love relationship, family relationship that God calls the church to. And we have to have it so burned inside of us that when we leave each other and we go out to work and to walk and to do and to live in society, that we never forget that. And we begin to import, import into our daily lives all of that amazing ultimate relationship. And when God can get a body of Christ who's so in love with him, who knows what that relationship is supposed to be like, and it's so burning inside of them. And if he can get them to step out into humanity, to step out into culture, to step out into real life, and remember that, and draw that in, and live in both places, and draw them together, we will become an effective, burning, fervent, effectual body of Christ. That's what we're supposed to be. So now, when we study this passage, I don't want you to study this passage and say, I'm failing because I'm not doing all of these things. To it. What I want you to do, what we have to do is we have to 
Learn the spirit of it. Learn the, learn the possession of it. Learn the pieces of it. Learn it and then go out and walk our daily lives as a body of Christ, as a New Horizon church that's out there blowing it up in society, leading, becoming the best, educating and becoming, 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 becoming. I went to a funeral just yesterday of a relative of mine. I was blown away. He was the embodiment of what I would love to inspire you. He had become a teacher, but a teacher wasn't enough. He got his master's and that wasn't enough. He ended up getting his doctorate. He, was a, he had become a principal of many different schools. He brought the love of God and the passion and the fire and the purity of the love of God, of what a true disciple of God was. There were over a thousand people at his funeral. How many are going to come to mine? Over a thousand, and well over half of those were teachers he had influenced. People of God, get out there and become, 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 become better. I don't care if you are a, a, a framer. Get the, be the best framer there is. If you're a student, be the best student. Strive. You know, and this is not a, I have to be. This is, I love you so much, Jesus, and I've got the victor inside of me, and he wants to just, outside of me. But at the same time, we got to know the ultimate love relationship that his church, the body of Christ, of which you are, is called to, between him and you, so that when you go out there and live as big as you possibly can live, you're going to bring God as big as you possibly can. And you're going to influence. Amen? So we better get to Acts chapter 2 quick, because we got to do some of this stuff. Amen? Ultimate patterns of relationship. I want you to notice something. So Acts chapter 2, it's amazing. Read it on your own. Acts chapter 3, Peter goes out and heals a beggar. Peter says, silver and gold I do not have, but such as I have give give I you. Rise up and walk. He rises up and walk. Amazing things are happening. Peter preaches. Chapter 4, Peter and John are dragged before the Sanhedrin. They have to go in and they, they get arrested, basically. Amazing things happen. They're released the believers are praying. Everything's amazing. Chapter 2, 3, 4, incredible. But guess what? Chapter 5 happened. Do you know what chapter 5 is? So all through chapter 2, 3, and 4, everybody's coming and they're laying down their gifts before, you know, they're selling their houses and their possessions and they lay it down. Chapter, chapter 5 is where church meets real world. And something happens. Church meets real world. Ananias and Sapphira. How many of you know that story? Ananias and Sapphira is the human heart that lives and beats in every one of our, our chests. They, they go out. They're going to be a part of it. They see what everybody's doing, but they haven't, they're not doing it out of there. I want you to notice. 
All through chapters 2, 3, and 4, there was never one single sermon that the preacher got up and said, you have to sell all your possessions. He never did that. There's no coercion. There's a, it was a, an automatic just out of what came over them when the presence of God became very real in their lives. What God does to us when, he, when revival hits is that stuff becomes unimportant. It becomes a little more distant. And the power of God and who he is and where he is and his gloriousness becomes very, very big in our lives. And things become distant. And so if somebody needs it, you're like, sure, take it, whatever. This was a flow out of them that came from the Holy Spirit. It was never coerced out of them. So Ananias and Sapphira, it wasn't rising up out of inside of them. They still had too much of an attachment They had too much of an attachment. So they sold their property. Yeah, let's do it. But let's keep some for ourselves. We can go in, lay it at their feet. No one will know, but I'll take care of me. So they did. They sold it. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself and brought the rest and laid it at his feet. And all of a sudden, what happens? He he is struck dead. Struck dead. And Peter calls for the helpers, the young men, to drag him out and bury him. What would happen if that happened here? Oh, wow. A little while later, she comes in. Hey, did you get our gift? Bam. Drug her out, buried her. Look at uh, verse 11. Because church is meeting real world right now. Church is meeting the human heart. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. There was a sobriety that hit. Oh, my. We're not playing anymore. This is real. This is real. Now, the church throughout the next, the whole book of Acts, you're going to watch it mature. From Acts chapter 2, verses 45 and following, to the time Acts is over with, they have found their stride. And they've taken... This amazing time, and they've married it with real life. And instead of by the end, by Acts chapter 20, instead of meeting every day, all day long, they met once a week. Because they could do that and change the world at the same time. We can't change the world if we're all sitting in here. But when they were meeting and when they were out and doing, they were still, they had found each other so strong and such an incredible grace with each other that it was as if they were together. Does this make sense to you? So what I want to do now is help us. Because every single one of us live in 2015. And right today, I burn for what they had. But I am living in 2015. I have to, today, find, meet, integrate, connect 
with what God has for us ultimately and bring it into my life every day. It has to become a marathon, not a sprint. My dear Caleb went out for, for track, and he got selected out of all his buddies to be the marathoner, to be the long-distance one. All of his buddies got to be sprinters. Sprinters, you get up, you run for all your might for about 30 seconds, then you lay around for another hour and a half. And then they would have a party. Caleb would be out running the whole time. One time, they had a pizza party after they ran their sprints. When he came back, the pizza boxes were empty. Because he was running a marathon. He was not running a sprint. I want to encourage you. You are in a marathon. You are growing up. You are becoming God's body, connected and intertwined, and you are to match the head. And our body here at New Horizon needs to continue to grow. There are four main areas that they talk about here in Acts chapter uh, 2 that we're going to focus in on, and hopefully I will get to those next week. The first one, I'm going to give you just a hint, and then we're going to close. The first one is to dedicate yourself to the apostles' teaching. We talked a lot about that last week, but right now I want to emphasize, instead of apostles' teaching, I want to emphasize dedicate. They were dedicated to it. People of God, I beg of you to dedicate. Dedicate your mind. Dedicate your time. Dedicate your spirit. Dedicate your attention. Dedicate who you are and what you are to God's word and nothing else. Dedicate, because God's word will absolutely hammer you and rearrange you. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, verse 42, and to the fellowship, the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So fellowship, coming together, being of one heart and one mind, unity, breaking bread and prayer, that's worship, And they gave. We're going to cover those in greater detail next week. But those are the things that we have to run our marathon, walk our lives, our real lives, pulling those items in. Pulling those items in. Let's all stand. I'll have the band come. Growth. Growth, growth, hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, grow us. I've had the mental image all morning that some of us have fallen. We've tripped. We've, we've fallen. We're, we are growing in our faith. We're young in our faith. And maybe it was two and three years, five years ago, we tripped and we fell face down and we have not gotten back up. We have not gotten back up. And I want to speak to every single one of us here today. Oh, my heart is so full of all of those four things, and I wanted to be able to have gotten to those four, but I've waxed eloquent and had a lot of fun, and I don't have it to draw upon right now because I haven't been able to take you there. Come back next week. Everybody promise. Come back. Some of us have tripped on one of those four things. We became Christians, but we never grew 
in our mind and learned. Number two, we became Christians, but we never unified with the body. We never found fellowship. Number three, we became Christians, but we have not learned what it truly means to worship him, to live a life of worship. And number four, we might have become Christians, but we have not learned or matured to the place where stuff and things have become small in our world. They're too, still too big. And stuff and things can be still too big, whether you have a lot or a little. If you don't have much, you want more. If you have a lot, it's still tough. Those four things. Someone's tripped, and they've fallen, and they haven't gotten back up. You can't mature unless you get back up. You can't. You just can't. And the main thing that God, I really feel, is drawing me towards right now to you, of those four, is the spirit of unity. Something's happened to you. Somebody's hurt you. The church has hurt you. The, the this has hurt you. The this and the that has hurt you. And you find it very, very difficult to come into unity with any body of Christ now. Because they might hurt you again. If any of you here today, I'd love the prayer partners to come up. If any of you here today feel that in your marathon run, in your life growing habit of just becoming and growing into the body of Christ, that you have somehow stagnated, that you have somehow found yourself not growing anymore. If you have felt something has happened in your life, there's been a disappointment, there's been a difficulty, there's been something that trips you up every time. Maybe it is an addiction and you do really well and then all of a sudden, bam. Or maybe it's like Satan knows our weaknesses. What is it? What is it? What is it? Oh, body of Christ, oh, beautiful bride of Christ, that, that you have begun to run your race and you have begun to just become this amazing, incredible thing and something's happened and you've tripped and you've fallen find yourself face down, flat. I want to encourage you here today. Stand up. Brush yourself off. Run to the cross. Run to the cross. Run to the cross where all the rest of us are anyway. And start growing again. Amen? Prayer partners, come on up. If this is you, if God's pulling on you, he's, he loves the process. Remember I told you he loves the process. Why does he love the process? He does. Because he loves finding the ones that have tripped and fallen and teach them how to stand back up and get running again. Because there's the most incredible power and strength in that. Come forward right now. If this word is, is touching you, come on up right now. Just get some prayer. Let's get some prayer on us. Let's get up and get running again. Amen? Hallelujah. I love you all. You're an amazing, mighty church. Let's let the Lord just grow us. Don't stay flat on your face. Get up. Get up. 
join yourself. I come against pride right now in this, in this room, Lord God. Pride that would say, I shouldn't have fallen. I don't want anyone else to know that I am feeling a little stagnant. I want to be cool. Break it. Just break it right now. Say, I don't care. Get me back up. Amen? Let's just listen to Jasmine and worship the Lord and let the Lord work in your heart.